Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Today, I'm going to be preaching a message called The Tale of Two Rich Men. The Tale of Two Rich Men. My name is Matt. I'm the Grow Pastor here, in case we haven't met before. And before I actually jump into the teaching for today, I thought I would quickly pray if that's okay with you. So can we do that? Awesome. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that you would speak through this message this morning. God, I'm just the vessel. You're the voice. So Father, I pray that you would just speak. Um, God, I pray that uh, you would move in our hearts today, even as I'm preaching, God, minister to me too. Father, I pray that we would have ears to hear. God, that we would have um, just our hearts open to whatever you want to do. Father, I pray that we all leave changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so far in this series, we've learned a lot of really important things. Put up your hand if you're a Christian. A lot, of, a lot of Christians here today. Fantastic. I'm even more excited if you're here and you're not a Christian. I'll be honest with you um, because I really believe that uh, church is for everybody, um, no matter where you're at. Um, so I just want to encourage anyone who's come along to church today. Maybe you haven't been in church before. Maybe you're unsure about where you're at with God. We are so happy that you decided to come along. But if you're here and you, you are a Christian, we've learned a few things this series. Um, here is one of the things that we have learned. Uh, if you are a Christian, you are someone who has kingdom vision rather than earthly vision, right? Also, we've learned that if you are a Christian, uh, then you carry kingdom culture in you, right? You have kingdom values, not earthly values. And today we're going to be looking at this idea, and that is if you are a Christian, then you sacrifice here on earth for treasure in heaven. Can I get an amen, right? But who knows, that ain't always easy. That, that can be difficult. Let's be very honest today. Like it is not easy to sacrifice. That's why it's called sacrifice, right? It ain't easy to sacrifice. And what I'm hoping is that today we would walk away with revelation around how we can be people who happily lay things down here on earth for what God has for us in heaven. That's what we're going to be looking at today because I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who joyfully sacrifices, right? Who joyfully lays things down. Not because the preacher man came up and said, Oi, sacrifice. No, I want to be moved by God. I want to want to sacrifice. Does anyone else want to want that too? That's what I want. And that's what we're going to try and figure out today. There was this man um, over half a century ago called Arthur Stace. Not sure if you ever heard of him before, but he went by the name Mr. Eternity. And uh, like you, uh, Arthur Stace, or many of you here today, Arthur Stace was a, a Christian. And one day he went along to church and there was a man preaching called John Ridley, who was a famous evangelist. Like, he was just hardcore, right? He would go after it um, when he was preaching. And he was preaching this message called The Echoes of Eternity. And the heart of his message was if only people would realize that eternity is real, right? If only people would just get that into their heads and just get that into their hearts. If only the people of Sydney would realize that eternity is real. And Arthur Stace was sitting, listening, just like you today, just sitting and listening. And he felt God speak to him. Have you ever had a moment in church where the penny drops, there's a moment of revelation and you're like, 
gosh, God's speaking to me. He had that moment and he, he felt in his back pocket and he pulled out a bit of chalk, a bit of yellow chalk. And he felt like God said to him, I want you to go and write the word eternity all over the streets of Sydney. Just the word eternity on the pavement. Now, this was a bit of a hard ask uh, for Arthur Stace because he wasn't great at writing. And in fact, he, could, he couldn't even really spell. Um, but who knows, when God asks us to do things, He supernaturally graces us with the ability to do it. So Arthur Stace felt like God was telling him to go and write the word eternity all over Sydney. Kind of a weird thing, don't you think? Like if after today you felt God telling you that, I think many, often we can kind of discount God, be like, no God, that can't be you. And uh, because of that, I think we miss out on great things. But Arthur Stace really believed, yes, that was God speaking to me. So what he did was then he went off for the next 35 years or so, writing the word eternity all over Sydney, all over it. And many people think that as a result of that, Thousands of people got it into their heads and into their hearts that eternity is real. And many, many people were led to Jesus. Now, Arthur Stace realized something that I think we often forget. And that is, Bright Church, that we are eternal beings. We are eternal beings. We have a body, 100%, but we also have a spirit. We have a soul, Anyone here go to a public school? I did, guilty. I often tell people I went to a really public school, if you know what I'm talking about when I was in high school. And um, I remember learning from my science teacher that that wasn't the case. That, you know, we're, we're just bodies, right? Flesh, blood, bone, we die, that's it. It's kind of sad when you think about it. And, um, Many people live like that's true. And the problem is many Christians live like that's true. We often, even though theoretically we're told that we're more than just a body, like we're body, soul and spirit, even though theoretically in our mind we know that, when it comes to the way that we live our life, we don't live our life in alignment with the reality that says, hey, we are body, soul and spirit. Do you know what I mean? And um, in the scriptures, we, we find out from Jesus that this definitely is the case. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about a final judgment where there's going to be a separation of the sheep and the goats, right? The sheep are followers of Jesus. People have given their life to Jesus, have a real relationship with Him, that are following after Him, they're disciples of Jesus. That's the sheep. That's you today, Bright Church. Amen. Oh, you can be a goat if you want. <laughs> yeah, who's a sheep? Come on, that's the good, that's what you want to be. Trust me. Um, and then there's the goats. And the, uh, the goats, well, uh, not so great for the goats. See, the goats are the people who don't have a saving relationship with Jesus. So at the final judgment, everyone is going to, going to be put into one of those two categories. And this is what Jesus says. He says, and these, the sheep, will go away into, brace yourselves, eternal punishment. I said this to the 9am, I'll say it to you too, 11.40am, still pretty early on a Sunday to be talking about eternal punishment, I think. <laughs> pretty intense. But that's what the scriptures say. 
um, Jesus said that the goats will go away into eternal punishment uh, where the righteous, that is the sheep, they will head off into eternal life. You know, I wonder how many of us are really living with that reality in mind, right? How many of us are actually living a life that aligns with that truth? How many of us are really, really living with eternity in mind? The fact is that eternity is coming for all of us. Everybody is headed in one of two directions, eternal life or eternal punishment. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm living out my week, Monday to Friday, that is the last thing that enters into my mind. And I think as Christians, we like to think sometimes um, that we are people who live with the bigger things in mind, right? Who live um, with an eternal perspective. But I think actions and behavior speaks louder than words. Yeah? So let's do a little bit of a test here to figure out whether we really are people who are living with eternity in mind. And here are some questions we can ask ourselves. This is the first one. You're not living with eternity in mind if you have a YOLO approach to life. Right? Honestly, if you're living your week, just like, oh, you only live once. Why not? You know, who knows what tomorrow may bring? I could be dead tomorrow. If you live like that, you are definitely, definitely not living with eternity in mind. No way. You can make some dumb decisions when you're living with a YOLO approach to life. Trust me, I know. I know better than most. Um, you can make silly decisions like, oh, you know, Maybe I should just sleep with that person, even though we're not married. Maybe I should just sleep with that person because, you know, YOLO, could die tomorrow, right? Or, you know, maybe I should just spend that money on me, you know, that, that money that I've saved. Maybe I should just go on that awesome holiday because who knows what tomorrow may bring. When you have a YOLO approach to life, it can cause you to make some pretty bad decisions. Another question we need to ask ourselves is, if we're living with uh, eternity in mind, then we should be living not for our own happiness, but we should be living with purpose. People who are living with eternity in mind prioritize purpose over happiness. Yeah, but it's so easy to fall into the trap of happiness. Like, I just want to be happy. And so many of the decisions that we make, let's face it, hey, I'm right there with you. I make a lot of decisions not based on purpose, like what God has called me to do, but rather in line with what I really want at the end of the day. That day, in that moment, I think we make a lot of decisions based on happiness rather than purpose. And if we are doing that, the truth is we're not living with eternity in mind. And as Christians, we know, right, that after this, this life, there is going to be a long time in heaven with God, right? And if, if, if we believe in Jesus and we are following Jesus, then there should always be and there should be a theme of sacrifice in our lives. So you know as a Christian that you're living with eternity in mind if there is a theme of sacrifice in your life. Is there... For you, like honestly, I know we've just done the miracle offering and gosh, you guys, us as a church, 
Come on, let's go. At Heart and Soul, we announced that we raised over $160,000. So if you weren't there, let's just take a praise break for Jesus right now, I reckon. That's amazing. That's incredible. It's awesome. And that just goes to show there are so many people in our church community who are living with eternity in mind. But uh, I don't know, maybe for you, maybe at the moment, maybe, maybe you're not. Just because maybe you found it really hard to sacrifice and depart from that money that maybe God was asking you to give. There is a theme of sacrifice in our life when we are living with eternity in mind. And uh, one person who failed to do this, failed to sacrifice for what God had for him was the rich young ruler in the Bible. And from this story, we learn this really important truth. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, Riches, actually, I'm going to just warn you for a second too. Just this is a little bit of a warning because this can be a little bit controversial what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because I believe it's from God and I believe it's biblical. Thanks, Tristan. Pastor Tristan, (laughs) always got your back. Thank you, Tristan. Um, Here's the point. From this story, we can learn that riches are an obstacle for the kingdom of God. For some people, riches are an obstacle for the kingdom of God. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. If you've got your Bibles, go with me. Um, we're going to read verses 18 through to 30 and learn about this. It says, And a ruler asked him, that's the rich young ruler, he's asking Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Verse 21. This is a really important point. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So the subtext here is the rich young ruler is not only rich. He doesn't just have a high social status but he's also following a lot of the rules, right? At least the ones that Jesus brought up, he's ticking the boxes. So he's rich, you know, he has influence, probably got a lot of friends, right? Um, He's following the rules. And yet, even though on the outside, everything looks good, on the inside, there's something missing. On On the inside, and only God can see this, on the inside, he's not right with God. So in verse 22, it goes on to say, When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Interesting. So Jesus talks about this idea of there being treasure in heaven. Did you know that there are two places where you can store up treasure? Only two. You can either store up treasure on earth, or you can store up treasure in heaven. And here's the thing that we often fail to realize or fail to have a solid revelation of as Christians. You can't have your cake and eat it too. If you want treasure in heaven, you're going to have to sacrifice treasure on earth. And this is the other thing that's important that we forget. The opposite. If you want treasure on earth, Guess what you're doing for that? You're sacrificing treasure in heaven without even realizing it. And guess what? The treasure in heaven is way better 
than whatever this earth has to offer you. Maybe some people need to hear that today. Maybe you've been seduced into thinking the things of this world are great and awesome and worth it. But I tell you, what God has for you beyond this world, what God has for you in heaven, if you choose to sacrifice here for Him, is so much better than anything this world has to offer you. Anything at all. So let's see if the rich young ruler understands that. (laughs) Verse 23, But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It is strong. Jesus is strong here. Um, He actually, he's using a bit of hyperbole here, but he's trying to make a pretty clear point. And what a great illustration. That it's more likely for a camel. Has anyone ever like seen a camel in real life? They're big, like they're big animals. And it's apparently it's more likely for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Anyone here sewn anything before? Yeah, I had to yesterday before I played golf because my pants were ripped right at the crutch. Now, there are some places you can have rips and it's okay. You can keep going. The rip's okay, but there are some places where you need to fix that thing before you wear it, whatever it is. This was one of those instances. So I got out the needle and thread and I went to town. One of the hardest things to do is to get the thread through that little hole in the needle. It is a nightmare. There are many people who have sinned really badly um, because they were just trying to get the thread through the needle and they were unable to do it. Um, And they ended up cursing God and saying silly things. Uh, I wasn't. That wasn't me. Um, So... It's hard to get a thread through the eye of a needle. Well, Jesus is saying it's more likely for a camel to go through that little hole in that needle than for a rich person to sacrifice what they have here for what God has for them in heaven. In other words, to enter the kingdom of God. That is a ooh moment. So why is it such a struggle? Why are riches such an obstacle Simple, really. Riches cause us to fall in love with this world. So the more riches you have, the more in love with this world you become. So if you're in love with this world, you will be unwilling to give up what this world can offer you for what God has for you beyond this world. Now, this is where it gets awkward. According to God, we're rich. Melburnians living in 2022. If the rich young ruler was rich, he didn't even have an iPhone. (laughs) If he's considered rich by God, guess what? We are considered rich by God. And this is where, you know, there's some tension here. It can be a bit of a struggle because now you start to realize, okay, so apparently according to the teaching here, um, It is more likely for a camel to be able to go through the eye of a needle than for me, a rich person living in 2022, to give up my riches for what God has for me in heaven. 
but it is possible. It is possible. How? How is it possible? What do we do? Well, riches, they're a trap. They're a trap for you. They're a trap for me. They trap, riches trap so many people. Most people get trapped by riches. So what do we need to do? We got to figure out how to spring the trap. And there is a man in the Bible named Zacchaeus who did that very thing. So let's go read about Zacchaeus. And interestingly, um, the story of Zacchaeus is only about a chapter later. So go with me to Luke 19, and we're going to read verses 1 through to 10. We're reading a bit of the Bible today. Who came to get into God's Word? Who's online watching and loves God's Word? Come on, if you're online, put something in the comments. Um, So it says in chapter 19, verse 1, He entered Jericho, that's Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. From now on, to save time, I'm just going to call him Z. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, tax collectors, you know, you know about tax collectors. If you've been in church for long enough, you know no one likes tax collectors. If you're here today and you're, you're involved in tax, we, we love you. <laughs> but back then it was different, right? Because tax collectors, they were considered traitors by the Jewish people because the Roman Empire oppressed the Jewish people through heavy taxation. And there were some Jews that decided, well, if you can't beat them, join them. So they would go and work for the Roman Empire and uh, they would have the job of taxing the Jewish people. So they were considered traitors. Everyone hated them. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Some people think that uh, Zacchaeus was actually the equivalent of the boss of Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus, who was also a tax collector. So point here being, Zacchaeus, he's the worst. And no one likes Zacchaeus. Verse 3. But he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So Z was seeking Jesus. That's an important point. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He's a a little fella. He's a little guy, right? We love the little guys here at Bright Church. (laughs) Uh, Shouldn't have said that. We love everybody. (laughs) So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. It's like a fig tree to see him. He's desperate. He, He wants to see Jesus. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Z, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Imagine if Jesus said to you, said that to you. What would, what would your first thought be? Man, I wonder how the toilet's looking. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Z stood and said to the Lord, this is the moment. This is the miracle. This is the moment we see a camel go through the eye of a needle. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He's given away half of everything that he has. That's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. And if I have defrauded anyone, which he would have, most scholars say that Zacchaeus, yep, definitely, he would have been someone who did what all the other tax collectors did. There's a gray area, there's some margin there when it comes to taxing, and most of them taxed more than they needed to and just took it for themselves. So Z would have been doing this over a very long time. He says, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house 
since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. How encouraging to know that rich people can enter into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. He came to seek and save people who are lost. It's funny, you know, lost people, they're all over the spectrum. Poor, rich, lonely, know a lot of people. We all need Jesus. So what was the difference here between Z and the rich young ruler? Very different outcomes. Z was disliked by people, hated by people. On the other hand, you had the rich young ruler who was rich, highly esteemed socially. He would have been very popular. So Z was hated by people. On the other hand, you have the rich young ruler who was really loved by people. Um, Z was a sinner. He defrauded people. He knew it. Jesus knew it when he saw him. Then you have the rich young ruler who was following a lot of the commandments, doing, doing a lot of the right things, right? So you have one person who on the outside looks like they're A-OK. You have Zacchaeus on the outside who's like, heck no. If we were going to choose who deserves salvation, who would we choose? Rich, rich young ruler, duh. And yet, Z found salvation and the rich young ruler walked away sorrowful. So what's up with that? Why? Z sprung the trap, the trap of riches. And how did he do that? He did it by having a heart for the right thing. And when you have a heart for the right thing, you will give up the wrong thing. So what do we need a heart for? The person of Jesus. The person of Jesus. I said at the start, the question we wanted to answer today is how can you be a person who gives up the riches of earth for the things that God has for you in heaven? How can you get to that place? Well, when you have a heart for Jesus, you will happily sacrifice your riches. Because Zacchaeus deep down was more concerned with knowing Jesus than anything else, he joyfully gave away his riches. When you read the story, he was excited about it. He, it wasn't like he was being forced to do it by Jesus. He encountered Jesus and the byproduct of that was, I just want to give I want to be generous. I want to give it away. Anything in my life that is separating me from closer intimacy with Jesus, it has to go. Because he got a taste of the person of Jesus and all of a sudden nothing else mattered. Nothing else compared. He was after the person of Jesus and he realised what Jesus had for him in eternity was so much better than what this world had to offer him. Here's the big idea. When you love Jesus, you will sacrifice here and you will be rewarded there. And the crazy thing is when you really love Jesus, it won't even feel like sacrifice. When you really love Jesus, you're not even going to be doing it for what God has for you there. You're going to pass away one day and go, wow, what a great mansion. I'm being a little bit liberal there with what the Bible teaches, but honestly, like you're just going to love the presence of God. You're going, to be, you're going to love serving Him, right? And you won't even realise it, but you're going to be storing up treasure in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to get to. I want to have that type of intimacy and closeness with Jesus. About five years ago or so, I made a really important decision for the trajectory of my life. I was working as a full-time teacher um, at Oxley Christian College. Amazing school. Absolutely loved it. 
Uh, I had financial security there. I had great friends there, great staff. I, the students were incredible. The kids at that school are the best thing about that school, honestly. We've actually got some ex-Oxley kids in the room today. Put up your hand, ex-Oxley students awkwardly. <laughs> they were embarrassed about it. Guys, own it, yeah? It's not embarrassing. Um, but it was a great job and I loved it. I was comfortable. And here's the other thing about that job. I, it was definitely glorifying God, you know? Working as a teacher in a Christian school, definitely glorifying God, definitely in some ways for sure building His kingdom. It ticked all the boxes. The only thing was, I felt like God was calling me to do something different. I felt like He was calling me to head towards ministry in the church, over ministry at, at school. I felt like He was calling me into that. And um, in order to step into that space, I would have to start studying and essentially I would have to quit my job. So I had the time to serve here, uh, to lead here and, and to study. So it wasn't an easy choice. It felt like sacrifice to have to make that choice. It felt like giving up something really important to me. It felt like giving up, to be honest, what I valued most. And what, what you value most, that's usually your riches. So for me to make that choice, I had to, I had to sacrifice. And um, I remember I had this revelation as I was trying to make this decision about whether or not I would do it. And it was this, and uh, this idea has come up a lot throughout the series. So I think maybe God is trying to say something. It's not to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Um, when conviction comes from God, it's actually for our benefit. And I had this conviction from God when I was trying to make that decision. If we all are going to be standing before Jesus one day and we need to give an account, then when I'm standing before Jesus, I've got to realize that I'm going to be rewarded based on my faithfulness to what He has called me to do. He'd called me to step out of that place to head in a different direction. Therefore, there was going to be rewards in this life and the next for simply being obedient to what He has called me to do. And sometimes I think, oh, how many people kind of end up doing good things with their life, but it wasn't actually the thing that God called them to do. There was a man called Damien Davis who lived, uh, he still lives um, in, in the UK, Damien Davis. I don't know, about, I find it a funny name. If there's a Damien Davis here today, I'm very sorry. Um, but this man, Damien Davis, he lived in the UK and he decided that he was going to climb the three highest peaks in the UK. Why? For a great cause, to raise some money. And uh, he got prepared. He gathered some of his friends together to do it with him. He planned it out. Uh, he got in shape for it and he set out to do it. He climbed the first mountain, gone well. He climbed the second mountain. Things are on track. He gets to the third mountain. He's climbing up the third mountain. He gets to the peak of the third mountain only to realize he'd climbed the wrong mountain. <laughs> Can you imagine spending your whole life doing something or, or parts of your life doing something only to find out it was in vain? Like it wasn't actually the thing that you were supposed to do. Sometimes I, I wonder how many followers of Jesus are and definitely people who don't know Jesus, who are living their life for something that maybe God hasn't called them to do. And we need to realize we're gonna be rewarded based on what God has called us to do, the faithfulness that we show towards that, towards that call. 
Jesus said in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. In Luke 18, that we're reading about at the start of this message, um, Jesus says this to his disciples after this conversation with the rich young ruler. In verse 26, it says, Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said to him, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children or sacrificed in any way for the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the time to come. I just want to leave you with two things to consider and maybe one thing to action today. Here's the first thing to consider. Are you climbing the right mountain? Are you climbing the right mountain? The right mountain is the mountain of pursuing Jesus. What does that look like? Zacchaeus started to climb the right mountain. He started to pursue Jesus. He was hungry for Jesus. Therefore, he started to give away his things. Who knows what the trajectory of his life was, but I'm sure it was amazing. Whereas on the other hand, the rich young ruler, he, he was climbing the wrong mountain and he was unable to get back down it and go up the right one. He, was, he refused to do it because he wasn't willing to pay the price, the sacrifice that came with that because he failed to have a revelation of what Jesus had for him in this life and the one to come. Bright Church, are you climbing the right mountain? Second question, is your love for Jesus causing you to act a little crazy? When was the last time you got crazy for God, right? When was the last time you did something that made other people in your life go, what are you doing? Right? Because when you're caught up with Jesus, when you're in love with Him, man, when you're just hungry for Him, it can cause you to do some pretty crazy things. Like I don't mean totally ridiculous, dumb things. I mean just the things that God is calling you to do. He will call you to do things that seem a little bit crazy. And if you love Him, if you're caught up with Him, you're just going to go for it. When was the last time you did something a little bit crazy for Jesus? And here's the last point that I want to make that I'm hoping may help some people. If you're struggling to sacrifice what you have here for what God has for you there, or maybe we've just gone through this whole series. We had the miracle offering. And honestly, you handed faithfully, you handed over your, your miracle offering amount, right? And maybe you're sacrificing in other areas of, of your life too. But honestly, it just feels like tension. It feels like effort. There's no joy in it. That could be a sign that your heart isn't in it. Like your heart isn't really with Jesus. And, and He wants your heart to be there. He wants your heart to enjoy it. So how do you get your heart from where it is to with Jesus again? Or if it's never been there, how do you get it to Jesus? Like how do you get the right motivation. In Matthew 6 and in Luke 12, Jesus says this, and uh, it's powerful what He says, and so often people miss the subtext to what He's saying. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what you can do is you can reverse that. So if your heart isn't where you want it to be, redirect your treasure to where you're hoping it will be. And over time, what can happen is your heart can catch up. You can redirect your heart by redistributing your treasure. What, what, what's your treasure today? Maybe it is money. 
Maybe that's your treasure. Or maybe you're here today and it's something different. Maybe it's your time, right? You guard your time. You guard your time. You've got a lot going on. Your work's intense. Family life, gosh, like it's crazy. You feel like you don't even have time to just chill out and watch a bit of Netflix, right? So you guard your time. And maybe that's your treasure. Maybe God's asking you to actually serve Him more or get more involved at church or go do that other thing to build the kingdom of God outside of the church. I don't know what it is, but because you're so, you don't want to lose more time, you're just guarding it, right? Maybe that's your treasure or maybe your treasure is your talent, your gifting. Maybe your talent and gifting is exactly what the church needs, but for whatever reason, you're kind of holding on to it for, for you, maybe to, and without even realizing that you're doing it, maybe just to build you up. And I know that comes across pretty intense, but what I've found is sometimes we can fall into that trap without even realizing it. So I wonder what your treasure is. I wonder where your heart's at. If you redirect your heart, or you can redirect your heart by redistributing your treasure, put your treasure, what you value most towards God's kingdom, give it to Jesus, and then what can happen over time, your heart will head towards it. I wanna pray for you. Why don't you close your eyes right now? If you're here today, and to be honest, uh, you're struggling. You're struggling with sacrificing here. Um, your, your love for Jesus, maybe it's um, just faded a little bit recently. I want to pray. I want to pray for you because I really believe that you can get to a place where you love sacrificing for God. And sometimes it just takes that moment of repentance saying, God, I've held on to this thing. I've been guarding it. It's my treasure. Like the rich young ruler, I've been unable to separate myself from it, but God, I'm realizing that today is the day that you're calling me to let it go, that you're calling me to give it to you. And when you do that, what's going to happen is God's going to move in your heart. There's going to be some change that takes place, the best possible change. So if that's you today, it could be, could be just a little thing or maybe it's a big thing. I don't, I don't know. But if that's you, I just want you to recognize it in your heart right now and say, yes, God, that's me. And then I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you for all the people who are recognizing today that Maybe they've been guarding things in their life, guarding their time, guarding their money, maybe guarding their gift, their talent. And I don't know what the reason is, God, you know. But Father, I pray that this morning that there would just be a shift that takes place within them, that your enabling grace would come and just help them to let go, help them to put whatever that is towards you, to give it to you so that they can fully experience everything that you have for them. Father, I pray that as a church, we would be a church so enamored with you, Jesus, so caught up with you, that we would be people who happily sacrifice and give away just like Zacchaeus did. Father, I pray for more encounters with God at Bright Church where people just have a moment with you that completely, just radically changes their priorities. Father, I pray for that even this morning in this place, God. I pray that things would just break in people's hearts. God, for some reason, I just sense that time is a big one. God, if there's anyone here today and they're really just guarding their time, and maybe they're scared, Maybe they're scared, God. Maybe they've given up their time before and things didn't go well. Maybe they felt burnt by whatever happened. I don't know, God. But if there are people here today in that place and they're guarding their time, Father, I just pray that you would come and just do heart surgery. God, that you would come and just speak to them. God, that you would come and give them fresh vision, fresh hope. And Father God, I pray that we would be people who just, when it comes to our time, that we would just have a heavenly perspective on it. And God, that we would just know what your will is because sometimes you 
you are directing where, where you want us to put our time. And there's a right season and there's a wrong season. So God, I just pray that you would speak to people clearly. If there are people here today and honestly, you are calling them to get more involved in your church. Father, I pray that today is the day that they would just sense that in their heart. Like Arthur Stace, who had that moment of revelation, that penny drop moment. I pray for that to take place in this room right now that people would realise that they are called to more than what they're doing at the moment, that they're called to build God's kingdom through His church. So Father, I pray if there's anyone struggling with that time thing, God, I just pray that you would come and just have your way in their heart. Father God, we lift you up today. Thank you for what you've done. You are a good God. And Father, I thank you that every single person who is here today believes in you. God, I thank you that we, we have an eternity in heaven that it's not just a or maybe, but it is an absolute certainty. And God, I pray that we would leave today overwhelmed with joy and excitement at that reality, that eternal life is our destination. And God, I pray that that would just free people up to fully go after you with everything that they have in this life, understanding that there's so much more beyond this world. God, come and just minister to us as we head into worship. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.